the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show Hour 2. Always good to be with you. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5 taking the issues of the day and looking at them from a Christian perspective. I was talking to my mom yesterday about what's going on in Israel. And, uh, you know, we had some conversation. And uh, my mom has been a uh, pastor's wife uh, for all of her adult life and a Christian her whole life. She graduated from Biola with a uh, music degree. So she's always been involved with the church and following Jesus. And she said, you know, when I was a kid and Israel went to war, everybody thought Jesus was coming the next day. And everybody was waiting. And then when you kind of realize, well, you know, honestly, things aren't really falling into place exactly in the right way. But it it certainly was something that everybody thinks about. We had a little conversation about that. And I know that for many of us, when we're watching this on the news, this is the biggest thing for many of us in our lifetime, actually, we've seen happen in Israel. And the implications are you know, I think significant, but we want to have a a truthful and accurate view of that. With with me to help us with that is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. He is the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. You can hear him on his daily radio program called Know the Truth. It's weekdays on over 600 radio stations, including on KKLA at 1030 in the morning in Los Angeles and surrounding counties and 630 a.m. in San Diego, 11 a.m. on KDAR in Oxnard. Pastor Philip DeCourcy, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Scott, thank you for the invite and uh, love being with you and the audience. We appreciate our relationship with KKLA and uh, other stations. You know, you did something with your show this week that is unusual, is that you changed it um, from your regularly scheduled sermon series that you're in to actually talk about what's happening in Israel right now. We did. And, and you know, that's not usual for us. I typically yeah. don't chase the headlines. I, you know, um, I, I'm by trade an expositor, uh, believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. And as I go through a book, it tends to touch on, you know, every issue of life and every issue of the day. Uh, but, you know, there, as you as you hinted at, there are just some things sometimes that are historic. The magnitude of this attack in Israel, I, I think, makes us all pause and draw a breath. I mean, uh, this was their 9-11. It's been compared to Pearl Harbor. If we were to extrapolate it out uh, just proportionately what they suffered on October the 7th, it would be the equivalent to 50,000 Americans being butchered and murdered and terrorized in our own country on a given day. And so, you know, there's there's that in historic. You don't overlook that. I think pastorally, I'm aware that, you know, my people are thinking about it. They're they're drinking in 24-7 news. Mm. And so I want to 
help them think that through. I remember someone saying, Scott, you know, if you want to know what's going on, read the newspaper. If you want to know why it's going on, read your Bible. And so, uh, you know, while I don't do newspaper exegesis, uh, uh, you know, this is historic. We don't know what the outcome of this is. It could get into something uh, much bigger in, in the Middle East. And look, I decided to address it and I gave it, I gave it the title all eyes on Israel. Because piggybacking off your comments about your mom, I had a, I had a similar mom who, who uh, was a believer in Christ, had a love for the Jewish people, and always felt, you know, she lived in that generation in 1948 when Israel came back uh, to the land and became a nation state again. Uh, I think her generation realized that was a, a tectonic shift. Yeah. within history and, and had a, a reference to to biblical prophecy. And so, you know, all eyes on Israel, because I reminded our conversation, our, our congregation on Sunday, all eyes are on Israel now. And we need to just realize that all eyes will be on Israel in the future, because that's, that's where everything comes to a terminus. If you read your Bible, um, the last days will be marked by a restoration and revival of the Jewish people. They're back in the land, or they're not They're not revived or regenerate. But according to Ecclesiastes, or Ezekiel 37, there will be a revival. The dead bones mm. of the Israeli nation will rise. We know that the Antichrist will, will arise in the last days, and he will, you know, declare himself to be God in a rebuilt temple. We know that the final battle, the mother of all wars, will be the battle of Armageddon, which will be fought on the plains of Megiddo. I've been there. And we know that when Jesus comes back, uh, that he's going to set up a kingdom uh, the, for a thousand years. We call the millennium. And according to uh, the prophecy in Luke and other passages, he's going to reign from David's throne in the city of Jerusalem. So uh, just piecing those big pieces together, we realize, you know, all eyes on Israel because all eyes will be on Israel. God's focus in the last days will be on Israel. And so I wanted to give our people a biblical view a theological perspective on what what is unfolding mm. uh, before us. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do today. I get a lot of calls about this and people kind of trying to figure out, you know, how serious is this from a biblical standpoint? Is this is this Ezekiel 37, 38 now? Is, you know, what are where are we at with that? How do we approach this as Christians? We know that Israel is going to be the focus of uh, everything at the end times. It's remarkable, I think, just to look at what's happening now and go, why do we, why does the whole world care? Tomorrow we're going to get a Oval Office address from the president about this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Um, so how do we approach this? Well, a couple of things. I mean, the text I kind of bounced off was Zechariah 12, mm. verses 2 and 3, where I believe it's speaking about the last days, the days of the day of the Lord, the, day, the days of the great tribulation. Uh, so we're, we're bumping up against the last years of human history when, before Jesus returns. And we read in that passage in Zechariah 12, 12, that God will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling or a cup of drunkenness or a cup of reeling. And prophetic scholars believe the image there is that nations will come up to Jerusalem to take of it, to satisfy themselves to, to to drink of whatever pleasure or purpose they have and and God will send them back reeling and there's and we read in Zechariah 12 13 and 14 that that towards the end nations will indeed gather I think it's the Battle of Armageddon not the Battle of Gog and Magog mm -hmm. but in the end Jerusalem will be the focus but but here's the qualification 
I, I look, I get, I get excited. I'm interested in, in these things simply because a fifth of the Bible's prophetic. I don't understand Christians who take a view, you know, I'm a pan-millennialist. It's all going to pan out. I don't need to <laughs> take a position. I don't, need to, uh, I don't need to wrestle. Look, the book of Revelation is 22 chapters. First Thessalonians is a, a reference to the second coming in every chapter. Second Thessalonians, second Peter 3. I mean, I could go on. You can't ignore the significance of biblical prophecy, and you're going to have to wrestle with that. What is the meaning of that? Is 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 the references to Israel literal, uh, which I believe it is, or is it spiritual? Has the church replaced Israel? And so we've got to, I, I just hope this triggers a renewed interest in prophecy. Look, there was a day, I think, in the evangelical world, Scott, when it, it might have, this might have been overcooked and overdone. And as mm-hmm. you said, every incident became the rallying cry, you know, the end is nigh, the end right. is nigh. <laughs> on, 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 and, and look, I would say this, and my conviction is I believe the next prophetic event is the rapture. Hmm. And the rapture is without signs. Uh, the rapture uh, requires nothing for it to take place. So I don't, I don't need to, you know, theoretically, I don't need to know or play with the idea who's, who is the Antichrist and is he alive today? And, 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 you know, you know, count the 10 toes of, of, right. of Daniel's images. Jesus, for me, could come back at any moment, the next moment. And, and so I have enough reason to live on the tiptoe of expectancy to work on my sanctification, my holiness. The next big event for me as a Christian is Jesus' immediate return for the church. And then I go to the judgment seat of Christ and give a reason for the things I did in my body. That's my focus. But in saying that, the rapture doesn't take place in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my friend Mark Hitchcock, who's a prophetic scholar, talks about the rapture being the, tr- the, the trigger domino. Maybe your audience, uh, uh, Scott, has seen images of, you know, the people put together these elaborate designs made up of dominoes. It can be 10,000 or 50,000 dominoes. And, and, uh, but it, it, it takes a trigger domino to set that all in motion. And so it takes time to set that up. It only takes one domino to trigger the unfolding of that. And so for me, uh, God has been setting up the world for many years, we're seeing, you know, a cashless society. We're seeing a revived Roman Empire. We're seeing the Middle East on fire. We're seeing Russia rise. We're seeing China's power in the East. So, so the, the dominoes are being set up, mm-hmm. and and I think this is just one reminder of that. You know that that you know Israel is being attacked again, as they will be more more savagely, sadly, in the future. And so, you know, the next event really is the trigger domino, the rapture. And then we move into the fulfillment of the signs of Matthew 24, the rise of Antichrist, the battle of Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon, the rebuilt temple. Uh, But, you know, um, for me, um, while this I find um, challenging and and, and exciting and monumental, it doesn't, it, in a sense, it doesn't make me any more ready than I ought to be each and every day if the rapture is an imminent event, and, and not a next moment necessarily, but a any moment event. And mm. that would be my counsel to the church. Yeah. You know, keep, keep your focus on that and the judgment seat of Christ and our accountability for the stewardship of our time and talents. But yeah, it's important because it's playing into that bigger scenario. 
And we have to keep in mind that uh, any of us could go meet Jesus today. You know, if if it's, if it's our time, you know, uh, for that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy, Senior Pastor of Kindred Community Church, and you know him from our station on his Know the Church broad, Know the Truth broadcast. We're talking about the biblical implications of what is happening in Israel. So when we watch this, I think with great interest, you know, people are watching this. How do we, you know, what would your advice be for looking at this, but then turning back to our role as the church now, that we don't get distracted by the theories? You know, we have before had major distractions. There's books you can go find them in probably church libraries that say that Gorbachev is the Antichrist, for example. Right. Right. Uh, And uh, that kind of stuff. Unless he comes out of that grave, I don't think he's the guy. Uh, you know, we <laughs> go idiot reasons. Jesus is returning in 1988. You know, that's right. Ronald uh, Ronald Reagan's the Antichrist because his name is Ronald Wilson Reagan, and there's six letters in each six yeah. six six. So he must be. Um, how do we not go down that road? And uh, you know, what are you what are you telling your congregation right now in, in your audience? Well, again, that's that's on, I think that's on me as an elder and a pastor and leader to set an example that, on the one hand. Um, I take the, the prophetic scriptures seriously, and, and I exposit passages on that, and I, I preach as Titus talks about the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our God and Savior. I help our congregation understand, uh, you know, the, the, this relentless savage attack on, on, the, on the state of Israel and on the Jew, not only in, con- in contemporary culture, but historically. I help them see uh, back to that, you know, the newspaper tells me what's happening, um, but my Bible tells me what why it's happening. In fact, this this hatred for the Jew, it, 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 it's traced back to Genesis 3.15. Mm. And, and the enmity that God puts between the seed of the woman and, and the seed of Satan, the descendants, the unbelievers uh, of Satan and the believers uh, that come through, uh, you know, the seed of the woman. And, and you know, Satan hates Israel because the Messiah was to come through Israel. And, and his attacks upon Israel throughout history, whether from Pharaohs to uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, from to Herod at the very birth of the Messiah, was to destroy the seed of the woman, to destroy, you know, the descendants uh, of of Abraham and and even in the church, the church faces persecution because now Christ indwells the church, and um, Satan opposes Christ. And yeah. then, even today, you know, there's, there's this continued focus on Israel because, you know, Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem to set up the kingdom of David. So it helps me to understand how do you explain why 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 is the Jew constantly picked on? I mean, yeah, I've, I've never you know. You know, there's three the the Arab and uh, Muslim nations around Israel exceed them by you know 300 to one in terms of size, mm-hmm. 40 to one in terms of person. It, it, and and I tell I taught our congregation on Sunday. It, it the issue is not the size of Israel. I think the issue, frankly, Scott, is the is the existence of Israel. Israel can't get much smaller. Right. So how do you explain this this hatred? It's satanic in nature. Mm. It's it's it it fits within a biblical theology of redemptive history. I think that's important for us to understand. We've talked about the the anti-Semitism that has been growing actually in the world for a long time. Yes. And I think we're seeing a lot of people shocked at the open anti-Semitism and murderous chanting. You know, in Sydney, it was uh, gas the Jews, gas the yep. Jews by thousands of people in public saying that. 
Um, and we, on our show a couple of weeks ago, or last week, we talked about even right-wing anti-Semitism and what's that and what's yeah. coming out of the left. And it's an odd thing. You see that from, from all sides. And, and that is spiritual. We should not be... We so right. first, this is, there's yeah. a spiritual warfare element to this. Now, look, you know, I'm not whitewashing Israel. Today, Israel mm. is in the land of unbelief. That's right. And in many ways, Israel is as a secular state as any yes. Western country. But but God made a covenant with the descendants of Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Genesis 15. It was ratified in blood, in a blood covenant, and then again in Genesis 17. Um, and so God, God intends, according to Romans 9, 10, 11, to do a future work in this nation. They will go through pain and purging and tribulation, what, what Jeremiah calls Jacob's trouble. But God has a plan for the Jew. Uh, and, 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 and I believe that, that it will, uh, you know, culminate in the return of, of, of Christ. He'll set up his kingdom in Jerusalem from the throne of David. And we need to have that. We need to get behind the political, you know, conflict. We need to get behind the, new, the, the headlines and understand, you know, the theology of this. And then the other thing I help their congregation see, and I, you know, uh, again, this is not to stir hatred mm. or dislike for, for, our, for our Muslim friends or for, um, you know, Islamic nations, but we've got to be honest. Part of the conflict is a theological That's conflict. Right. This is a clash of worldviews, because if you study Islam and you study, uh, you know, the Muslim faith, Muhammad and many, many centuries after Abraham and Moses and the covenants that were made with the ancient people of Israel, you know, he, he comes up with this idea that he was visited by an angel. Uh, according to Gen- Galatians 1, we would take that probably to be a demon mm-hmm. because he comes up with a false gospel. Yes. Uh, and, and, but, but his view is that, that um, Isaac wasn't with Abraham in, in Genesis 22. It was Ishmael. And, and Ishmael um, has inherited the promises uh, given to Abraham and his descendants. And therefore, at the very heart of, of Islam as a faith and as a political movement is this, is this replacement of Israel. And, and, and so you've, you've got to understand, and it's hard for a secular world, Scott, to get their hands around this because yeah. they have no theological framework. But this is a clash of civilizations. This is a clash of theological perspectives. And from our point of view, even with all the sins of Israel and their in unbelief, it's our view biblically, they are God's ancient people. There are covenant promises still to be fulfilled. And, and, and uh, you know, I believe that will take place. And in Islam and in the Muslim world, we have, we have the, this, this inbred historical hatred for the Jew um, and this clash between the seed of Isaac and the seed of Ishmael. And so people, you know, I, I'd say to our people, calm down politically, but ramp up theologically and get back into your Bible and get back into understanding, uh, you know, the, what, what's going on in the world. And in many ways, the, the things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. Yes. And this, this hatred for the Jew is, is satanic in nature. And it's unfolding throughout biblical history, and it will have its its final flare-up in the last days. This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. We're talking about what's going on in Israel. You know, I've encouraged people to read the uh, Hamas Charter, which mm-hmm. – uh, have you had a chance to read that? Have you ever go through that? I haven't gone through it word for word, but again, we know the yeah. PLO, uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, and we know the nation of Iran – in their charters and in their purpose, 
They they have got they back to that point. Yes. It's not the size of Israel; it's existence. They have only one aim, and that you know you hear people uh, um, at these rallies from from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That that's the mantra of of Hamas, Hezbollah, and and uh, Islamists in the Muslim world who will not rest until Israel has been driven into the sea. Yes, and that's what those charters, they literally say that. It's not some kind of Western interpretation. They explicitly say that Israel should not exist, and our goal is to kill Jews first in Israel and then everywhere else. Uh, And that is spelled out. And you're right to say this is a uh, a religious argument that is happening here. And I think that will help people actually get a little bit more to the truth. When we when we come back in a minute, maybe you can answer or give a thought about what do we do as we see this on the news, and how do we have this conversation about this with our Jewish friend or maybe even our Muslim friend, you know, or somebody who's got, you know, strong feelings? You know, how do we move from just simply how do we not stay out of it? I think that we have a, 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 a necessary role in saying something. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. We can yeah. touch on that. Uh, yep. We'll touch on that. And can you stay another segment? It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Happy great. to do so. All right. We'll have you back here in just a moment. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us right now at kkla.com. You can give us a follow at uh, social media on at Pastor Scott Show. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll be right back with Pastor Philip DeCourcy as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Pastor Scott Show, and I am joined by Pastor Philip DeCourcy. We're talking about the events in Israel and how that relates to our faith and how to um, move forward with that. If you want to call and ask a question about this, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let me take a call here, Philip, real quick, because I've got somebody who's been holding for a while patiently. Uh, Rod, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi there. First, I wanted to say, Philip, I would... Uh admire your teaching uh, listening on the radio regularly. But Thank you, you. asked the question, you, you did not know whether or not the Antichrist was alive today or not. And I believe that I have the answer. And I think it's very simple. I think that the enemy has someone prepared at all times because not even Jesus knows the day or the hour in which he will need to have that person. So I think the potential person is alive all the time, ever since Christ uh, rose again. Okay, that's an interesting perspective, Rod. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, in- I mean that 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 may be true. Again, you know, the, the scriptures are not explicit about that. I can yeah. I can understand the deduction that takes you there. I mean, the passage at least I would go to if I was teaching and not with my people or was asked that question. I go to Second Thessalonians. And, uh, you know, the, the church at Thessalonica was, was troubled by the idea that the day of the Lord was, was upon them. A false teacher had, had uh, taught that and pretended it had come from Paul. And Paul says, look, the day of the Lord can't happen. The events of the tribulation uh, can happen, uh, which would involve the rise of the Antichrist until there's a falling away. Um, and, and then, the, you know, the, the, the man of sin will be revealed. Uh, when and again, the restrainer will be removed, and so for me, I I connect those to the removal of the church, 
And, uh, you know, it, that may be right, but we won't know uh, who the Antichrist is uh, until the church is removed, the restrainer has been removed, and from indwelling the church is salt and light. Darkness falls on the earth, and that's it makes his move. So, you know, I'm not going to yeah. fight over that or tussle over that because the scriptures are silent. That's possible, um, you know. Um, it's one but, of those things, though, that whatever is true with that, it doesn't change what we ought to be doing now. No, and, right. and my, my line has always been, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for Christ. If yeah. I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture, um, uh, you know, First Thessalonians 1.10 and, uh, uh, you know, Second Thessalonians 5.9, uh, or First Thessalonians 5.9, we're not appointed on the wrath. I won't be around to see him, thankfully, or deal with him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, not, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. And I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. And I'm, I'm happy to leave it there. You know, the interesting thing, and I point this out on our show a lot, is when you get into prophecy, and especially when you read Revelation, one of the things that you can't miss is that when Jesus gives his revelation to John, he begins by speaking to the seven churches who are there now and emphasizes what we ought to be doing now. Um, you know, what are some practical applications, uh, Philip, to what we're seeing on the news and what we should be doing now in light of, you know, what we're seeing is is coming one day, one way or the other? Yeah, I, I, I find that fascinating, Scott. Um, if you look at, you know, Revelation 2 and 3, I preached a series on that at our church. It, I always tie that into that verse by Peter that, you know, um, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And if it begins there, what will be the end of the ungodly? And that's how the book of Revelation begins, where Jesus, you know, is exalted. He's in the midst of the candlesticks, and he's he's taking inventory, and 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 uh, you know he's assessing uh, the leaders there, the the lifestyle of the people, the character, the commitments, and making a judgment on that. And so. And that's before you get into the bowls and the trumpets right. and the, the wrath of God poured out on an unbelieving world. And so, again, we're back to my point. Again, I'm going to preach all aspects of prophecy. The Bible talks about a figure called Antichrist. The Bible talks about a period called the Tribulation. The Bible talks about a rebuilt temple. The Bible talks about attacks on Israel. And, and, and the Bible talks about Jesus' return and a millennial kingdom and an eternal state. But, but my real focus the foreground for me is the is the any moment return of Jesus, and then immediately going to the Father's house, John 14, 1 to 6, and then where we will be judged, not for our sins, thankfully, no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but, you know, the use of my time, the use of my talents, the giving of my money, uh, the way I lived among the unbelieving world. And so, you know, prophecy is 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 so practical. Yeah. It's it's not a sedative to put me to sleep. It's a stimulant to wake me to my need to soul win. Uh, you know, pursue holiness. Um, you know, uh, you know, give myself to those things that 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 are eternal to 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 keep my body pure because someday God will redeem my body in a glorified state. So. That that's the focus. And when I preach on any of these issues, I always finish with, you know, the the practical the practical application. And and you know, we've suffered on I think there's two extremes. There's 
there's fanaticism on the one side where where every incident becomes the the you know the they beat the drum uh, on on uh, you know uh, its prophetic significance and i think we've lived long enough to find out that so many prophetic teachers have got egg on their face right and so, on the other hand uh, you know, I think there's a disinterest in prophecy today that mm. scares me. I think the church has been infected by what's called replacement theology. I'm reformed in my commitments and theology, but if I was to, you know, ding reformed theology, there's an element of reformed theology that t- ties back to the Roman Catholic Church and some of the reformed reformers that, you know, Israel has been replaced by the church. Mm. And, and uh, you know, and w- when that has... I think that has taken hold of the church today in a way we haven't seen for some time. And and there seems to be a disinterest in, in Israel, a disinterest in prophecy, you know. Uh, you know, it's all one judgment, one end. It all comes to a screeching halt quickly, and there's not a, there's not a lot to look into in that kind of theological perspective. Yeah. And so I'm trying to get into the middle there. I don't want I don't want to be fanatical, but boy. Um, we've got to preach the prophetic scriptures. I mean, wasn't it C.S. Lewis said that those who thought most about the next world did the most in this world? I, I hear people mm. say all the time, and it's a fallacy. You know, we can become so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly use. That's right. not true. Read church history, read the martyrs, read the beginning of the modern missionary movement that was premillennialism. It was prophecy. It was a thought of Jesus' imminent return and pending judgment for the lost that God is up and God is going. And we need to return to that soon. You know, I think that with this happening, that it is leading people to um, take a look at their faith a little bit more seriously. Like, I, like you said, the prophecies do that when you start to see things unfold that other, other than uh, Christ, other than the scriptures, they don't make a lot of sense. And no, you, and that you know, prophecy frames our world. Doesn't yes, it, it does it's, absolutely. So and help, helps us live within. In fact, you you mentioned earlier about evangelism. It was interesting. Yeah. Straight after Sunday, when I preached this message, the first woman to come up to me in second service to thank me was an Iranian Christian hmm. who grew up in Tehran. and she had never heard the prophetic scriptures. She's a young Christian, yeah. and and you know what? Interestingly, she wasn't angry or offended by by what I said. She said, that helps me understand the world I grew up in and what's going on in the world. In fact, I had lunch with a Palestinian believer this Tuesday. I wanted to get his perspective. And and again, um, uh, you know, it's it's amazing to see people who come out of, of the, the Middle Eastern world and become believers, how the Word of God transforms them, helps them to frame what's going on, and they 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 see um, what's going on in their home countries as, as the scriptures dictate. That's right. Somebody called earlier this week, and she wanted to know how to share, talk with her Jewish roommate about what's going on, and her roommate was distraught about what happened and said, how can, how can God allow this to happen? You know, we ask that question, I think, in a lot of different things in our life, but that was her non-believing Jewish roommate. Um, yeah. You know, how would you respond to that, to your to your Jewish friends? Yeah, I mean, that's a bigger issue, isn't it? Yeah. Why does God allow suffering at A much all? bigger and, issue than just that right there, right? Yeah. So there's something yeah. specific maybe she's looking at yeah. as a Jewish person. Yeah, I would double back to at least, you know, maybe showing, uh, you know, the, the spiritual warfare side of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, God, God may be allowing suffering, but God's not perpetrating these evil acts. That's... 
Islamic terrorism, that's a false religion, religion underwriting it. It's an innate, uh, you know, inculcated for centuries and innate hatred for the Jewish people. And I would help her see biblically, um, you know, from Genesis 3.15 on, that she's part of an unfolding plan that includes her people, that there, there, there is, God has a special love for them, and um, Christ is their true Messiah. And I, would, I wouldn't spend a ton of time on, on that. I'd pivot to the gospel yeah. and simply use the, the, the interest of this moment and the heartache of this moment to, to pivot. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm dealing with the cross generally, or, or sorry, suffering, I generally go to the cross. We have a God who suffered because of our disobedience and was willing to absorb our suffering in the substitutionary atoning death of his son. And I would I would point her to maybe Isaiah 53, that, you know, that God has been wounded for her transgressions, that God is not standing by. God has entered this world of suffering, and someday when Jesus returns, he will, he will, he will put an end to it. Um, and I, we mentioned earlier, if I was witnessing to a, a Muslim or a Palestinian, I, I'd be very careful to, to get bogged down in the issues because they're, in many ways, they're going to be blinded emotionally uh, mm. by just their upbringing and their commitments politically. You know, I would I would be as gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. I'd only wade into that where I believe it could be practical or profitable. And I would simply engage them again on the bigger issue of uh, who Christ was, uh, the significance of the cross, the resurrection, and uh, that salvation is by grace because you know, Islam has the five, its five pillars, this unending praying, fasting, obeying. Uh, God is distant. Uh, the, you know, Allah, the merciful, there's this, this constant pleading. Uh, you know, uh, I hope, I hope, maybe God will be kind when we can bring them a greater message of the glory of Christ and the certainty of peace with God through faith yeah. in the Lord Jesus. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy, and uh, he's the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills. How do people connect with you at Kindred Community Church? What's the website? Yeah, they can go to kindredchurch.org, or they can go to ktt.org, and both platforms will get them the information they they need to come visit us. We have an 830, 10:30 service, and and uh, we'd, we'd love to um, host any of your listeners. And uh, this message is being the message I preached last Sunday is live right now on KKLA at our at our uh, ten thirty program, or eventually it'll be posted on our website, and they can go onto our website, click the sermon button, and find uh, a message on Zechariah twelve two to three, all eyes on Israel. And I hope it'll be be profitable. And as you and I've talked about, when we get to the end of it, I give four practical applications. You know, I don't leave it hanging up there. This isn't. This isn't just for curiosity. Mm. This is for this is for transformation. That's right. And you know, if your prophecy is accurate, but it doesn't lead to a transformation of life and a better, you know, content and conduct of of of, of living, then uh, you know, you, you're you're simply looking into the mirror of the word. You're simply hearing the word, but you're not doing it. That's right. You can uh, hear the Know the Truth program, that's Philip DeCourcy's program, by uh, tuning in at kkla.com, or if you're in Los Angeles, or KPRZ if you are in San Diego, and uh, you can check that out there. Uh, Pastor, you've been with us for a while. If you can stay, we got some calls. If you can't, I understand. Let's go for it. All right, we'll come back. We'll take your calls. I see your calls, Ruben and Eric and Joe and others on the board there. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, and we're with Pastor Philip DeCourcy. You hear him regularly on this station on Know the Truth, and I encourage you to tune in to his messages. He's also the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, and uh, he's been uh, gracious to be with us for the hour, and we thought we'd take some calls since we've got some on the board. We're talking about what's happening in Israel and how that relates to uh, the Scripture, and uh, we'll take your calls here. Reuben in Anaheim, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello, Pastor Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I'm just so curious to know if Leviticus 26, uh, 14 to um, 46, it says, uh, however, if you do not listen to me or obey my all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my reg- regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terror upon you, wasting disease, burning fevers. Uh, and then it, down here at the bottom says, I will turn against you, and you you will be defeated by your enemies, mm. those who hate you, um, and so on. Um, I'm just curious to see if this is part of what's been happening to them during the centuries. Like like uh, during the centuries and right now, what do you think, uh, Philip? How do we take Old Testament verses like that? And apply yeah, I mean, I, I put it in a bigger context. Thanks for the call and question, Ruben. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I think there's an application uh, in a broad sense to today. Look, you know, when God made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants, and it, by the way, it's an eternal covenant. If you go to Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Genesis 15, uh, where the borders of Israel are clearly outlined in geographical terms, and then you go to Genesis 17, where the the land given to the descendants of Abraham is an everlasting possession. And and so, you know, I got this across to our people on on Sunday. Uh, While the Jew has not always occupied the land, they have always owned it. Uh, God gave the land of Canaan to the descendants of Abraham. We see that in the book of Joshua. But but the Reuben's point, well, they have not always occupied it because along with you know those covenants, there also came uh, warnings of blessings and cursings. And we've seen this, you know, cycle itself in and out of Israel's history, both in the past and 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 in the present. That if if they dwelt in the land and obeyed and, and worshipped God and kept His commandments, God blessed them and and they enjoyed His favor. And 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 many times they failed. And and they broke the covenant. They broke their side of the covenant, and God scattered them. You've got the Babylonian captivity, um, yeah. you know, the Assyrian captivity, uh, so on and so forth. We see that again uh, in Jesus' time, where there, you know, after AD seventy and a final rebellion about AD thirty-five, you know, they are scattered, and, and Jesus talks about, you know, the, the, the temple would be left desolate. So so you you, you know. You're going to see Israel in and out of the land because, uh, you know, uh, that's what we see, uh, you know, forecast and outlined in the biblical text. But here's the important thing. God always brings them back. That's right. Uh, He has and he does and he will. And although they're back in the land in unbelief, Romans 9 says right now, it's my view that Israel is back in the land, but they've got a hard heart. And blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the times of the Gentiles be complete. And then 
the Messiah will come out of Zion or the Deliverer will come out of Zion and all Israel will be saved. And so they're back in the land, but they're not back in obedience. They're not back, uh, you know, in a state of of, of spiritual well-being with God. And so um, that's why they're still vulnerable uh, to attack. Um, they, they, and we see in the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38, 39, a battle that will come probably in the first half of the tribulation period during a time of peace. The Antichrist will have made a peace with Israel someday in the future. They lie in peace and in the nations come up against Jerusalem. God will have to step in and protect them. And um, so, yeah, and, uh, you know, there's a broad application. I'm not, you know, Israel, um, when they obey, God blesses them. When when they don't, God punishes them. But while they have broken aspects of the covenant and paid for that, I do want to say that it's my view that the Abrahamic covenant is, is, an ever, is, a, is uh, you know, an everlasting covenant. God will not break that covenant. Right. He will continue to love them when they don't love him. And in his and he will discipline them and punish them, but eventually he will restore them. Ezekiel thirty-seven, when they will come back to full life spiritually, and the temple we rebuilt and the glory of God will will fill that land in a in a in a in a future day. And it's kind of sad to see what the Jewish people have gone through, uh, partly uh, because of their own disobedience and certainly because of a, a satanic hatred that's been stirred up against them throughout history. That's right. Well, and what we see is that those scriptures scriptures have come true over history, and that should also be another indication that the the covenant of Abraham is also still going to come true, that God is coming, that Jesus will come back. He is the Messiah, and uh, uh, he'll be It's back. an everlasting possession. You can't get away from that. That's right. You I can't. Mean, I mean, I say to my friends who don't take my position, I mean, uh, you know, to take their position, God has not kept his covenant with Israel. Right, and that 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 scares me as a as a new covenant Christian, right. because I want to know that God is faithful to His promises. And I mean, look, I, I was reading this week, Scott, about a sermon. I forget the guy's name, and he stirred up a little bit of controversy. He probably used it as a as a kind of hook, but he but he he entitled his sermon many years ago, "How to Get Rid of the Jew." And and people heard about this, and it stirred up a controversy in the community. People thought it was anti-Semitic, and, and the police arrived, and they thought, you know, give, a Sunday come up, and the sermon was coming. They thought this could be a flashpoint in the community. But they got to the service, they got to the sermon, and they get up, and he said, you know how you get rid of the Jew? And he went to the prophecy of Jeremiah, where, where Jeremiah says, or God says through Jeremiah, the sun will have to fall from the sky. Right. Before God will not will 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 you know fail to keep His covenant with Israel, and as far as I know, I looked this morning, the sun is still in the sky, still there. It is. Since God there. is still going to yeah. keep His covenant with Israel, you can't get rid of the Jew. You can't. Uh, it was Mar- it was Mark Twain who said that the Jew is immortal. He was an agnostic. Oh, yeah. That's right. But one of the things he wrestled with as he re- as he looked at history was everybody's come and gone. Where are the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites? But but the Israelite is still with us. Yeah. And they and he, he calls them the immortal. And he's no answer for it, but we do. They're immortal because God made a covenant that is everlasting with them. That's right. Let me see if I can get one more call in here, Philip. Uh, Eric in Placentia, thanks for holding. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. We just have a short time here. Hi there. Yeah, I'm a member of Kindred Community Church. Hi, Pastor Phil. Hey, how are you doing? Good. You know... Us Christians out in the world, uh, you know, we're dealing with with people that that 
either believe or don't believe, and there's a cornucopia of different views within uh, eschatology, and even within a single view, there's so many different permutations. So it tends to generate a lot of polemics in the church, and from my view, not a lot of these polemics are productive. So uh, I, I have basically been saying this, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the Olivet Discourse, uh, at the end, Jesus really said, hey, you know, nobody really knows. I don't even know. Only the Father knows. And, I, of course, that was in his humanity, and he, he knows now, of course. But my question is, is, should we not be telling people to be more concerned about their own sanctification than all the little Gritty, gritty, you know, this how do we how do we keep the the main you. thing the main thing? I'm almost out of time, Eric. Thank you for your question, uh, Philip. Just about a minute. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, back to an argument I made earlier. It's it's not um, you know uh, one or the other. I mean, a, a, a balanced and biblical preaching of prophecy will produce sanctification. I think as Eric sits under my ministry, he'll see that. You know, First John three. You know, if we have this hope, then then it, it purifies us. And and again, back to a, an earlier point, just to complete the circle. As a pastor, I, I certainly my fellowship with my other Christians isn't over, you know, the timing of the rapture or the identity of the Antichrist. It's in Christ. It's in the shed blood. It's in the atonement. It's in the gospel. But but as a lover of the Bible, as a Protestant who believes in sola scriptura, I can't ignore twenty percent of the Bible. I've got to wrestle with that as an expositor. And I think I heard John MacArthur say this many years ago at a Shepherds Conference. God didn't stutter when it came to the end of the story. And I believe that. Yeah, that's and right. Trying to let let the Scripture speak about the hope of of, of, of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Philip, I, you can't ignore 20% of the Bible. You can't. Philip, thank you for being with us today. There's a whole lot more we can do, but we are out of time. Philip DeCourcy, pastor of Kindred Community Church. You can find his church at kindredchurch.org and his program on KKLA. And your station you're listening to is knowthetruthktt.org. You can find it there. Philip, thanks for being with us. Scott, thank you. I'm going to charge you a time and a half. That was 60 minutes. Yeah, I know. Work, you got brother. a long time. All right. Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast by looking for the Pastor Scott Show on wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us at, at Pastor Scott Show on social media. See you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.